Comedy Pods proudly presents Garrett Teitelbaum. It's nice to see he's working. Are you a cat owner? No, I just, they seem just the wish. easiest. Yeah, I really want cats because I'd feel bad if I had a dog. And cats, they don't need a lot of, a ton of attention, you know? No, I agree. Well, some of them do. My cats are a little needy. One of the two is wants to be in your face doesn't always let you do stuff if you're sitting around in the house see i'm okay with that like if i would like something that gives me attention constantly but that like i could just like feed and leave alone you know you don't have to pay constant attention to yes that is my thing because i'm never home and i'd I'd feel very bad yeah for for i think in the city it's kind of mean to have outdoor pets that you can't do anything with and I've never had dogs where I had to walk them, so I would be very confused what to do with that. Boys just had the yard. Yeah. You can let well, them go out. Well, in Penny, you just put a fence around, and you're like, goodbye. And, like, we never taught our dogs how to walk on a leash. They're just wild. <laughs> just a wild pair of dogs. Well, I always felt, like, this is very controversial. I always think it's kind of unfair. If you don't have the room, why do you have a dog? Like... Well, I mean, the same could be said for why do a lot of things if you exactly why have children if you don't have the means to support children? Why have animals if you don't have a yard? I know, but there's never a good time to have children. You can very well plan out if you have a dog or a cat. Sure, but what about an emotional support animal? People who live in the city don't deserve to have both. Can't we find some way to appease everybody? This is why it's a very... That's why it's a controversial statement. That's only because of how I grew up where it was like if I go to New York and I would see like Great Danes just, you know, hanging out on the sidewalk. I'm like, oh, but you, buddy. You should come back to Connecticut with yeah, me. I was like, you want to come back with me? I'll put you in a yard. Like that makes So me you sad. wanted to adopt all the dogs you saw in New York. And bring them to And bring the them field. back to Connecticut. How far north into Connecticut were you? Like how far I'm away from the city? 15 minutes from Massachusetts border. So. Oh, okay. So closer to Boston than New York City. Yeah. I mean, it's one half dozen the other because Boston's like two-ish hours, maybe okay. two and a half. And then New York is kind of the same difference. It takes about an hour and a half to get through Connecticut, which I've driven constantly. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not that bad either way. No, I did a summer in Danbury. That's why I was asking oh, in the like southern end southern, of Connecticut. Yeah. yeah, still closer to New York. Did you go into New York a lot? A fair amount, yeah. yeah. Not enough to try and uh, coordinate how to murder, not murder, adopt all the dogs. Yeah, what? It got <laughs> darker. put it out for me murdering the captain. It was like, Kaylee would like to murder all the dogs. Kaylee thinks if you can't afford a yard, you I don't deserve so. to live. I started this off real controversial. No, I was there for like a month-ish. So I kind of got used to it for a hot second. But it's still kind of difficult to coordinate from getting from where I live. Because then you have to drive to a certain place and not spend like a fortune on trains. And then get on the train and then get into the city oh to do like mics and stuff while you're back home uh well i lived there for about a month because i was a production assistant on a show because i didn't know what i wanted to do when i graduated so i had a hookup and i did that for about a month month and a half and so i stayed with my cousin and i stayed with a friend in jersey but i was in and out of the city for a summer where'd you do your undergrad when you left connecticut um i was in york pennsylvania york pa the other half yeah sure well i lived in baltimore and i had baltimore cousins that moved to york from there on purpose well he had work to be done and it was not too far so yeah would end up there from time to time there's not much to be done 
No, and I mean, I recently just went back there because my dad's like, we should go check it out because he loves York. I am fully aware of what York is. And he's Connecticut full time? Yeah, he, well, we all went away to college more or less. And then so he's like, I want to know all about it. He's like that weird, like adult human dad who just like gets super pumped about the most random stuff. Everybody needs a hobby. Yeah. You know, he loves to travel. So he does it through us. And dad picked a, a hobby. Made me go back there. And actually it's, a lot nicer than when I was in college, I will say. But the city's coming up. Yeah, it's trying its best. Well, that's good. My cousin's land is right near where they're supposed to be building a hospital, so they were holding on Another to it for hospital. a little while. I know. What? Yeah, crazy. York is, uh, well, people get sick, no matter where you live. And you already have a hospital, though. Uh-oh. Do you know nurses there? Yeah. You're going to be out of business? I'm sorry. Sorry, well, York PA nurses. Hot gossip. Maybe it hasn't sold. Maybe they still own that plot of land. I won't blow up their spot I know like I did you in the murdering of all the dogs in the greater New York area I don't want to murder them (laughs) I just want them to have yards I feel bad we just want them to run free you know the cats they don't require the outdoors you don't feel bad keeping a cat indoors absolutely not okay I I don't because I that's what's going to happen is I'm going to snap one day and get a cat and then I'm gonna have to work with my guilt because I've everyone I've ever met who's in the city who's gotten a cat or a pet immediately feels guilt that they're like not with it i was like i don't want that <laughs> it depends on what kind of person you are i mean if you grew up with animals that required a lot of attention i guess you might be the kind of person to give a lot of attention i talk to my animals when i'm there but i don't feel any remorse for being out yeah. make sure they're fed when we travel i think that's how i am and i think a lot of my friends are like you could be a murderer <laughs> and i'm like ah. I don't know. I was like, they, if you get them a friend, they'll be okay. Yeah. You need two cats then. You can't adopt one. That's the requirement. Yeah. Because I mean, I'm not that bad of a person. Like I'm tr- like tonight, I probably won't be back home until like 1130, 12. There's a cat at home. That'd be so sad. What's a typical Tuesday night? You go and hitting all the mics? Tonight I will just because I'm going to be out and mine as well. I booked you before the mics. You yeah, say, well, so I'm, I'm like, already... well, I'm not going to make it home. So I might as well just... Stick it out until after Papa D's. Might as well. <laughs> I did Papa D's last week. They've reorganized the entire bar. That is why I want to go see. I've heard there's less room somehow. <laughs> yep. So that's a bar. This is the at least the seventh iteration that I've seen of Papa D's layout. And I mean, originally it was a Sunday mic. When, it's the, when I got into this comedy game, the podcast this week, Garrett Teitelbaum, it's nice to see he's working. You're My so classy how you get that in there. Kaylee Dumas. Dumas, depending on the open mic. Depends what, on who wants to say it. What's the worst mispronunciation you've gotten so far? Um, it's Honestly, it's always Dumas. It's it's always that because people think it's much classier than it is. Dooms? I have had people starting to call me Dumas, which is very comforting. Dumas. Yeah. It takes a while, but eventually if I'm around long enough, people will just ignore the first name <laughs> well for some that's the uh, the ultimate sign of a nickname is just yep. your last name taking over your personality it happened in high school happened in college and then i was like maybe maybe it, i'm done with it york pa they said they made it into a swear word wow yeah. how did they do that uh, instead of saying dumbass they just call people dumas nice like, that's rude but it stayed for a very long time because uh a frat took it up 
So when I went back, unfortunately, it was still there. You're a legend on campus. A <laughs> little, little bit. Just the last name. <laughs> when you were doing sorority stuff, did you ever imagine that you'd be doing stand-up comedy? Was that like an inkling for you when you were in college? No. I I wanted to... I was supposed to be a news anchor. Oh, nice. That was the, Journalism. Yeah, that was the goal. I went to college for news. I learned how to edit, video produce, all that stuff. And then I... Did closed captioning for eight months after. I was like, this is depressing. <laughs> Understandable. Was that around here or back in back Massachusetts? In home. Oh. I, w- I lived at home for like a year and a half Excuse to two me. years for when I graduated. I moved right back home, which was stupid. <laughs> I moved home for, I think, four months, five months. And my dad was like, you're miserable. You should go stay with your cousin or your aunt. And yeah, got me to Baltimore eventually. That was smart. My dad recently came to help me, like, kind of move stuff around. And he was like, yeah, I was concerned after, like, three months that I was just going to wake up and you were going to be over my head, <laughs> just like a pillow. Like, I was just done. But I didn't have money. I didn't have anywhere to move, and none of my friends were really moving anywhere. So I couldn't really do it. And, and everyone's so far removed. When you go away for college, it's very sweet. Yeah. But then you move back home and none of your friends live there <laughs> well and it's not a town you were ever an adult in so it's like you know what your hometown was like when you were in high school and you had to do certain things and you had like a built-in group of people mm-hmm. but you've never had to be an adult to, like what bars do you go to where do people your age hang out we only have one bar sure so <laughs> you're like out in the middle of connecticut yeah i was in uh went to high school in the smallest public school in connecticut okay. so not a lot going on there <laughs> what was your graduating class I believe it was like 63. 63 kids? Yeah. Wow. Something like that. Um, we were one of the biggest that went through. We like started with 90, and then by the time we hit high school, we were like, we dropped some people. <laughs> My town was like experiencing a boom when we moved there in the mid-90s. So by like the time we graduated, I started there in like fourth grade. We were the last class, I think, under 300. And it's gotten bigger, wow. I think, every year since. Like the town has was like a farming town, and then all these little subdivisions came in, and yeah, it's the area between Cincinnati and Dayton continued to like blossom. We had like between the high school and middle school, I think 500 ish kids. And there was a tatch because of course it was. Uh, but yeah, I went back and it was rough. I had like maybe three friends left there and I was like, no, can't stay. <laughs> Drank a lot of wine just stayed home. So why Pittsburgh? Why'd you end up here? I have a phenomenal friend, uh, Brittany, who's my best friend from high school, and she went to Duquesne out here. Shout out to Brittany. Yeah, shout Duquesne out to Dukes. Brittany, who I always just reference as my friend, but I'll you, embarrass her on this one. Uh, you got a name. We'll tag you. Yeah, tag Brittany. See if she doesn't pass out from it. <laughs> um, <laughs> none of this. But she kind of recognized a little bit before me. She's like, you will snap and lose your mind. Because I was living, I like do a joke about it, but it was like dead serious. Like my parents were like divorced, living in the same house. And I was the only one there. And I was like, I will kill all of you. So she's like, you need to get out or you're not going to recover from this. So yeah, she hate everybody. let me crash. Like I just literally picked up, I think I had like maybe eight grand and like skedaddled out of here and just lived on our couch for like a month. And had to figure everything out from there. But it's a really cool experience. But And she's the best for it. But yeah. that's kind of how. It's just there was someone here. And it's very affordable. It's a city. It's affordable. It's drivable. But it's far enough away that neither one of your parents can show up on a day's notice without oh, warning you. Gary still tries. Uh, <laughs> <coughs> he's done it before. 
but yeah it is far enough away that like anything goes down i'm like that's nice have fun yeah. <laughs> nine hours away so that was the thing is like space was necessary at that point <laughs> sometimes you have to especially if your father's hobby is travel yeah no he's he is great like now that it's been i think i've been on your two years it's a lot better with both of my parents so it did help things i can't be home sure a ton but uh I think space sometimes literal distance is very helpful. Does it, for, I mean, it forces your relationship certainly to change or is he still some, somebody who picks up the phone a lot? Are your parents like call people, FaceTime people? What do you do on a regular basis? I call my parents. I don't call them as much. I used to like, it just actually happened recently. It's like I used to call my parents probably a lot more, like not for the first like six or eight months because I was like, I will not speak to either Give of you. Give me some space. But when I got like into it, I was like fine and started comedy. Was excited about that, and then I didn't have like a legit social life for about a year plus. And now, how soon after you got here did you start telling jokes? Um, I think it took me like six months. Okay, maybe, probably less because I moved here in April and I started in October. So that's I'm not good at math. That's like six ish months. <laughs> April to October. April to October. That is a six months. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, six months. I did like one. Like went to an improv show and I was like, okay. Uh, and then I took the class at the arcade. And then from there, I took was like, the stand up class. Yeah. So, and then after that, that was kind of it. And prior to the class, like, what did you think going into the class? This is what I want to be doing or? I didn't know because I had taken improv in Connecticut and okay. was like, well, I think we've had this conversation before. Where I was like, well, it's not all about me. So I don't love this. It's tough. You gotta, you gotta be a giving person to share the spotlight. Yeah. I mean, I'd done team sports, and, like, to me, that made sense. What sports did you play? I played soccer, basketball, and I threw javelin. So. You're a javelin state? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I was a shot putting discus thrower. I got to do the hammer once. (gasps) Yeah. They tried to train me. They're like, oh, you can't do any of those. (laughs) (laughs) They did hammer, like, once. Never in competition. It was like, you will murder someone. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, no, I, I got that, but not competing to be who's funniest never made sense to me <laughs> yeah sure so i mean that was just a me th- thing but then when i got here i took the class it didn't really occur to me that this was like what i really really wanted to do i don't remember like when it clicked but i remember like once it clicked i was like shit <laughs> oh that's what i'm supposed to be up to and i was like ah oh, crap so it happened like the kind of the same time that i got my legit job and i was like well fuck me <laughs> Super glad I have to grind and be at my now like 8.30 to 4 job at the same time. Yeah, it's about finding the balance. That was originally like what the show was about. How do you find the time to do a comedy life with earning enough money to live, period? I I don't know how anyone does it full time. Like, gosh, bless everyone. No, sure. (laughs) Who does that? Because that seems like... Painful. Just a lot. And a lot of budgeting, I can imagine. Sure. Too, which I'm not great at. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I actually was just listening to Phil's of yours and like was fascinated like what he had to say about having to balance everything because I'm mm. lucky. Like, Oh, in New York. Yeah. I was like, God bless you. <laughs> but I mean, it's not, I really don't have balance. It's just kind of stand up Trump's 99% of everything. And then I go to work. Does work know that or are you able to? My job knows like, not like I would never miss work, but I've definitely rolled in, you know, real rough, not like hungover, but just like slammed. If I had like a late spot at Hambones, like when I first started, I still wasn't quite 
in. So I was hitting like 1230 spots sure. and bones and rolling up on Fridays. And they're like, are you okay? I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, bad Friday morning is sometimes worth it if you have a nice time at Hambones, though. Exactly. I was like, if if that's just how late it was. But, I mean, they're aware it's also an entry-level job. They're really cool about it, super supportive. Good. If, you know, I have to be somewhere or leave early or work from home because I have to be in Erie or something. So they're pretty good with it. And then my family and friends kind of get that too friends aren't super thrilled about it but no for the i mean they love it but it's hard because i really am not able to do like the fun happy hours sure. and, like hang out during the week because i gotta be at a mic yeah have you been able to maintain many outside of comedy relationships i mean you had somewhat of an ecosystem being here six years you had Brittany obviously to help mm-hmm. you get down here i have like three good friends from outside of the scene, I have a friend from work, and then I waitress still, and I keep that job for that reason. So people, I'll, I go out with those people. I keep that kind of separate. Well, not for long, because this episode comes out the same week that you're launching your new open mic, mm-hmm. which is at the place where you are a waitress, where you restaurant. I know. It's going to combine. <laughs> so you're bringing all of your rowdy comedian friends on the Thursday night before the Hambones mic to the yard in Shadyside, mm-hmm. the original location. The original. Yeah, that's the first one. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting overlap for me. Yeah, I'm sure. Having everyone in the same place. But I'm excited. And that's kind of why I wanted to do it there because I'm comfortable and I don't have to, you know, deal with people I don't know. and Sure. Go over heads and not. And just be in a place I've already been for about two years and then kind of bring the people I've known for almost two years in there too. <laughs> yeah. You started, you said the class, so about a year and a half, a little over a year and a half a ago. A year and a half. Nice. So we'll see how it goes. Have you hosted anything or is t- this coming week, this is your first, first time, time as an so. MC? Okay. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, I, someone I worked with kind of get the idea, but I always kind of had it in the back of my head and I feel like I've been around for enough. Like I don't have, you know, the balls that like we got next and all those guys have like, God bless them. But I just like, I couldn't do it. They also grew up around here and have kind of a built in ecosystem of all of their hometown to to lean on their friends, their family, people, their job acquaintances. Like I've been on shows where like a ton of Joey's firefighter people have come out before (laughs) in uniform. Yeah. Like that's, I do get jealous of people with that sometimes because I can't do bringer shows because I have no one to bring. Sure. Like I have good friends and everything and you know that's kind of why I want to do it the yard too because they still haven't quite seen me you know do that and in that you know sphere. Some people have and they, they're great yeah. uh, but it is a little different so I kind of had to wait and like buy my time because when I came out with it everyone was delightful and so nice and like oh my gosh this is great like we'll obviously come like this is so cool. There's another mic. And I feel like if I had done that a year ago, that would not have had the same reception. Well, you've been at it for a while now. Um, you are at, right at about a year, maybe a year or six months before you started was when I stopped hosting my open mic. So I had Cativo for a long time yeah, right. and I switched over to hosting the Thursday night trivia at the beer hive instead, right when I ended at Cativo. So like, you never got to know me as a host, which I miss kind of running a list each week, but it's a different kind of stress. You don't really, 
I mean, what are your expectations? You've seen a ton of them. Like, what do you what do you think going into week one, and what are you expecting to learn as you kind of manage the egos of Pittsburgh standups now that you've um, taken on the challenge of hosting a weekly mic? I think. Well, I mean, it's kind of already happened. I think I talked to Derek briefly about it. He's like, the biggest thing that you'll notice is like just people come out of the woodwork that you didn't like even realize. And like, this has been put off now for about three weeks and still like every week. And even like this week I get like messages or people are Facebooking. They're like, I want a spot. I was like, it's very clearly you have to show up (laughs) to the mic and just asking for stuff. And I think a big stress that I want to have is just kind of doing like justice to a good list if like you know I don't want it to be boring I don't want to stack it in an inappropriate way and then also just being able to host just going up that cold because I've never gone up that cold and I'm forcing myself to do that every single week (laughs) so I mean it's good practice I think I look at it as like it's gonna be real rough but it's something that I have to do and I'm lucky that I get the opportunity to do it because you know as of right now I think Gabs is the only other woman run consistent with a regular regular showcase or regular mic. And even then I don't think there's a weekly one. She and Cassie have a monthly that they started Mm -hmm. and then she has the monthly at Brillo box Gab on her own. Gabs is a Tuesday night. It's the second Tuesday of the month at Brillo. And then I believe hers and Cassie's is a Thursday night. I do not know what night of the week it is. I went to that one and it's cool. It's a cool venue, but like there's not one that's every single week. Right. So you're going to have a weekly showcase at the yard in Shadyside. And that's the same time that mine was comparative to Hambones, which I think is always smart because Thursday night is the night at Hambones. Mm-hmm. It's the premier mic in the city to go and kind of network and talk and be at. And to set up an earlier rep for people who are probably not going to get up until yeah. 11, 30, 12, 1 o'clock, um, it's an opportunity to run that set to work whatever it is they're planning on doing if you are going in with a goal, God forbid, yeah. which is one of the things <laughs> Phil and I talk about in the episode you mentioned before. Yeah, and I think I'm trying – I mean, right now there's no cap, and right now I'm doing five minutes because I think that's important for – you know, us, because we, we get like four, if there's, you know, 40 plus, you get three minutes. So, I mean, it's nice on a Thursday to have that rep going into Hambones. I mean, even when I forget what was, what bar it was, but Trey and them ran a mic for Thursday. It was like last summer and like boomerang boomerang. Yeah. Yeah. And I liked that because you could go and even if you kind of (laughs) sucked at least it's still a rep it's at least it's a rep before Hambones. And then you can go and kind of feel comfortable like sitting in it because you at least you've said the words. It. Yeah. You've already said it. You've already had a rep. So even if you go up at 12, you already have one in your, under your belt that night. So I think it'll be nice. It'll be very stressful for me. Well, it's good for the ecosystem of comedy though. It's good to have something that you get to give back and kind of support and be a part of. And here the th- people will always ask you, Oh, did you see my set or Oh, what's that? And you have to just be very politely. My, my one advice for anybody who's running, it's just like, it was great. And like, you can't get into those conversations because you have so many other things on your plate. And I was always lucky at Cativo because I had somebody to run music as like walk on, walk off. Oh, okay. And they they would do the lighting for the comics more often than not. So they would be able, so so I didn't have to worry about that. So it's one less thing. So all I was doing was running around trying to find the next two comics to warn them to be ready. I'm 
I'm hopeful because every like where it's situated in the yard is like upstairs. It's like one place you can't really run away like in hand bones where you're like where has everyone yeah, gone? Like can't see anyone. Yeah, so they're all up there. I mean, unless they go out and smoke, which is more than likely is what's gonna happen is we're gonna lose people sure. outside. Uh, but I don't know. It's one of those things. It's a mindset of like I have to do it. No yeah. one else is gonna pop up and be like, hey, you wanna go host something that's not going to happen it's just too new and it's those spots are filled for the time being so kind of have to figure it out <laughs> well and if the goal is to work anywhere having an mc opportunity it just it's a good networking opportunity it's good to look like you want to do it and it's when you are asked to do stuff at the next level that's the kind of the window the that first, a lot of people yeah. can can operate in so I think that's one of the things we learned in like the class where it's like that'll probably be the first time that you're legitimately like paid yeah. for that, not, you know, like a 10 minute. And I mean, you've done enough, not that you're asking for advice, but always. host stuff that I, at least from my take has always been kind of a little bit of a manufactured camp counselory kind of personality that you have to put on a little bit. Just to get the audience like on the same page, this is where you're looking for comedy. We're turning off our phones. I mean, it's a bar show, so you don't really have to do all of that sort yeah. of stuff. But at least like this is when we clap. I'm gonna say names. You need to clap and yeah, get in. Happy. Get in. And then the one tick that I've I I notice that bothers me, and I still do it, is to say your first comic of the night because you're a comic still as the host, and yeah, you still have to make jokes. And so. like you are also a comic, you right. I am the first comic. You already tonight. did it, yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, I think it, it's going to be a very different transition. Sure. Because now I got a year and a half of doing the same thing and coming up up after a host, coming, you know, yada yada. Even if I go up first at like Hambones and still after Derek, who right? Warmed That's up prime the room. room. Yeah. So I've never gone up completely that cold. So that'll be interesting. <laughs> hey, at least you know the bartender. At least you know the staff. Yeah. yeah, the other comics they'll give you the benefit of the doubt a little bit. No, I mean you're the host, so really they just want to get going. They just want to get up. And as far as building the list goes, you try to balance a little bit as far as having different energies, like you said, and just kind of building towards f sliding in newer people, so it's not totally stacked at the end with like an unmanageable final seven or eight. Yeah, I was of, always fascinated at how Derek did that like super seamlessly yeah super you never felt like you were unfairly slotted or anyone else was you know top heavy yeah he does a very good job and he's done it for I think six straight years or something with Thursdays for the most part God bless um, him. yeah of taking that on and so you become very adept at managing a list I took on hosting like right out of the gate because I had already done improv for a little bit here in town mm -hmm. So I had a Excel spreadsheet because I had a, a day job that I hated where I would take my 20 comics because I capped my list because mm -hmm. we had hand bones to get to. And then I would rank them based on how many weeks that they would come. So I had like a total ranking of all of Pittsburgh comedy based on how often they supported me oh my for like the first 10 or 15 weeks just because I like weird kind of statistics like a baseball captain. Oh, my 
my gosh, that's so terrifying. <laughs> Ten weeks in, Harry and Homiak were the only people who had come every single week. Ooh. So I interviewed them together on an old podcast that I used to host. What was your old podcast? It was called uh, From the... No, I had From the Height of Your Intelligence when I interned at Skit. And then after that, I did Art of the Covenant at Woody's Old Space above Cativo. Okay. And then this show has been coming out now for three years consecutively this week. So every single week for three years, Kaylee, we've been putting out episodes of Garrett Teitelbaum. It's nice to see he's working. Three amazing podcast years. That's so insane. That's such a long time. Well, I'm an old man. You've done all the podcast hits in town we were talking about (laughs) right before we got on, Mike. I'm done. You did the Nate Nolf show. You Mm -hmm. just did... We got next, their most recent episode. Yeah. I mean, oh gosh, that is the one thing like I have learned is like years in comedy don't exist. Like I can't even believe like I've even lived here for two years and I can't believe I've been doing stand up for like over a year. Like that's bizarre to me. Yeah. What did you do with all of your time before you did this? Honestly, I don't, I don't know. I've never lived in a city and now I've really never lived in a city where I haven't done comedy done comedy I mean even though six months it was when I had just moved here so I didn't quite sure have friends and like by the time I got friends and we were you know figuring out if I could go out and all that stuff I started doing this and you then lost them I, I did I don't remember like everyone is very specific especially I live listen to all the podcasts where they like remember like all the first and all that stuff and I was like I think I just Showed up and never left. Yeah, I was like, I don't know if there was a that much of a gap. I don't remember when I started going out every night, but I remember like eventually that was it. Like it was every single night. I, Tuesdays I used to take off. Sure. I remember to like write and like I try to do that, but doesn't <laughs> quite your, happen. Anymore. What's a typical week for you right now, or what has it been at its like peak? At its peak, like when I'm really going for it usually I'll do both mics on Mondays but that has kind of gone by the wayside because I usually have to do something or organize something before the moose and then I have to get to hand bones sure and then recently I've been doing usually just pleasure bar because it's near where I am um but Papa D's I go to once in a while now too because it's just nice yeah the bar extends all the way up to the stage I sat in the corner stool and talked to the people right at the edge. Oh, God. It was no. a blast. Go but, check him out. Harry Gilliland. He came to the first 10 wide open stages, which is what we called our open mic at Cativo. Your mic, the cheesiest the open cheesiest mic? cheesiest open mic. Uh, titled to Amanda Averill because I worked on it all weekend and she came up with the name in 35 seconds. Nice. I was like, thank you. What name were you <laughs> operating under under your uh, like tentative plan before um, Amanda came along? I believe it was something along ch- cheesiest chuckle cheese or something. Chuckle cheese. Chuckle I love cheese, it. Like That's your new. cheese. Which still was like thought of as someone else. Like I couldn't like think for. I was like, well, I guess I don't don't, don't do stand up anymore. I could not this think of it. a name. I was up. like, I've stopped. Uh, but yeah, she came up with that. And then so it's usually two mics. Tonight will be three. And then Wednesday was usually Bear Hive. And then 
I started putting scarves in like probably at the beginning of this year because I'm yeah. very terrified of it for <laughs> a while. Because of the crowd work elements? Um, I've started to get away without doing like crowd work really um, and just kind of being confident enough to just tell them to be quiet and be a little more relaxed. Because when I first started, I was the biggest thing that anyone ever told me is like, you're so freaking scripted. Like if someone even drops a glass, like you're done. And so I eventually got a little bit past that. So I'm a little more comfortable, but when I first went to scarves, I was absolutely terrified. I like went one time and didn't go back for like months. Wow. <laughs> so I'd go now just because I'm like, I can do this. You're like I'm tougher than that. I'm like, I'm good. I'm fine with it. Same with Papa D's. I went one time and I was like mortified. Scared yourself off from I the college kids? I scared myself off from them because no, it was the longest I think at that time I'd gone with like not one person saying a word. Gotcha. Like zero. And now like, we're all used to it. Now and I was like, okay, this is, that'll be a night or I'll just talk to the comics and it'll be fine. Has to be done sometimes. So it's okay. And then Thursdays are hand bones. I used to hit Friday nights a lot more. Parkway. At Parkway. Sex Ipley's room. That comes up all the time on here. I love the Parkway. That was actually like the first room I was very comfortable in. Yeah, it's a sweet space. It was nice and I was the only woman that would go there. So people kind of, it was an opposite effect, which usually doesn't happen. So they're a little sure. more, I was more palatable to them for some reason, because there's like four people usually that hang out there. Um, so that was the first place I was actually really comfortable. So I spent a ton of time there. Is it a noticeable, like a palpable difference as a, as a comedian on stage when you're on a lineup and you're the first woman or only woman on a, on a set? It depends on where you are. I, the first time I truly, truly felt it, like you can feel it in like your back where you're like, oh, I'm overcoming like just a little bit was I did a room with uh, Nate out in Ohio. Amazing show. Like he packed it like over 200 people, like phenomenal. And Youngstown? The Youngstown one. Like, yeah, sure. Such a cool show. Biggest room I've ever done. And I went, I don't remember who I went after. Oh, I went to Darren Ferrer who crushed. And I got up there. And I wasn't as confident as I should have been, but also I got up there and I could like noticeably feel people would be like, all right, we'll see. And I was like, don't love that. <laughs> so, and yeah, I was the only woman on the lineup. And then it's, you know, VFW-esque. Yeah. I think it was a Germanic club. So those kind of shows definitely I'm starting, not at a disadvantage, but you have to kind of win them over on top of. Well, and especially funny. like they can feel you if you're timid. Yeah. So they knew they're like, oh, you already don't want to, you're terrified. Right. So they knew. And then I was coming over that and I had a decent, like. Still went on to have a good. Still went on to be. I, I said boxing I like match. bombed and Chris was like, shut up. <laughs> like I said on their pockets, they're like, that's not true. And I was like. I don't think I did. Oh yeah. Cause they always ask for your worst stage experience. And I said that and Chris was like, I was there. <laughs> like you can't say that, but have you rethought what bad means since then? Do you have a new answer to that question? I still, I still would say that because I think I should have been Re more confident. Recalibrated. I should have, I should have, I, I also should have been more prepared and should have not done some of the material I did. Sure. Um, so that was, it was all on me. It wasn't like the crowd was like, you suck. Well, and sometimes in those situations you say to yourself, I don't have enough material not to do X joke, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Or you go, no, I think this joke is funny enough that even though yeah. they're not the demo for it, because I did it, my first like out of town gig was in Ephrata, um, near Zach Funk's hometown, and Tim Ross and I rode out, and Molly Shannon, um, and or Molly Shero, and then Harry. 
and we were doing it and Zach kind of looked over my set list before I went on. He goes, I don't know if I would do that one. And I was like, ah, maybe. Okay. Let me. And I just, once I was up there, I was like, well, I need to do it. Yeah. It's like, I don't have enough. I'm like a year in maybe at this point. And so I pulled it out of my pocket at like seven minutes of a 15 minute set. And then just for like the next three or four minutes, I'm digging myself out yep. of mm-hmm. this hole. I did that very very early I did stuff that like obviously do great in the city and whatever and I was like just digging myself out from like pretty much the beginning <laughs> and did that for like 10 minutes I was like cool this is <laughs> this is great <laughs> but it's yeah it's not usually like that I'm very lucky no of course <laughs> yeah that usually it goes really well I'm, I'm very funny well usually you don't feel that you're the only woman it's sure, very it's rare a- that you feel that way in the city at least even if you're the only woman on the show it's not it doesn't feel like forced or anything immensely different i mean obviously our scene is growing and we've gotten at least a little more traction in the number of women that are actively participating in the stand-up scene it's still not as much as we'd like it to be but it's growing i think at least in the last three to four years that i've been around or since the podcast yeah i fixed it guys it it was three years garrett Titlebaum. it was the podcast no, it's we... nice to see she's working. We transitioned. <laughs> we only interview women now. She's trying her best. <laughs> we all we saw her and we said, that's nice that she's on this lineup. We're good. Yeah. That's... We're rooting for her. Yeah, that is uh, something that I got used to because when I first started, I wasn't like mad about it. I was just like, oh, sure. this is like kind of how it was. And then eventually when you realize just how many women are working, which is still under 10, yeah. which is insane. And then you see posters that don't have women and then once I like got a little bit under my belt I was like okay so now we're I understand where all of the other women are coming from where we're like why is this (laughs) like getting frustrated and it's no one I don't think is doing it maliciously it's just no certainly not you would hope if you're putting up your friends who are also funny and then you're a guy your friends are usually Dudes. Other men. Other yeah. men. That is just how it goes. Like if you're doing a solid or you need an extra person, you're going to look at the people that you interact with and that's no one's fault. Right. But it doesn't mean it's not frustrating. <laughs> no. And, but I think at the end of the day, if you're funny, you're welcome at the table, which is always the, the caveat. And we just need more people to try to be funny. It's I, I, nobody is like we said, actively working against anybody in the community, hopefully. I mean, by we any, hope. We hope. This is Garrett and Kaylee for <laughs> we're trying our best. Why don't we're you do hoping, something, you bums? <laughs> we're hoping for the scene. We're hopeful. Yeah, no, I think that's the biggest thing too is, you know, just being funny and getting funnier people and just having women think that they can be right. funny enough to like do this and be in the scene and be like, oh, this is a viable option. So you're six months into living in Pittsburgh. What's the impetus to sign up for Colin's class? I, I don't, this is what, like, I'm the worst on podcasts because I feel like everyone like really thought about it or really, you know, remembered it because they're like, one day I'm going to have to tell this story. And I, I just think I looked for a class and I think it was between like here and obviously all the other options and I don't know why I picked the arcade I'd never been there I just picked it and again I don't even know how long into doing it I don't think I was hitting mics very hard while I was in 
the class. Most people don't. Yeah. I mean, more than what other people were doing, but not a crazy amount. Um, I think I just wanted to try it versus um, improv a little bit. Which you tried up in Connecticut. Yeah, which I was like, ah, it's not, you know, for me. And then, like, the only thing I remember vividly is I think that was the same year that, like, Trainwreck came out with Amy Schumer or something. And I was like, well, I was like, that's, at the time, I thought that's what my sense of humor was like. I was like, oh, well, I can do that. And, of course, I was like, I can't even imagine, like, wanting to talk about any of that or talking about as brash as she does. You don't Um, think you have the same voice as Amy on stage? I don't. Want to? So. I don't think I want. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I don't think I want to. I was like, I would love to tackle exactly what she talks about, but in a more, um, not palatable, but like how I would talk about how it. How would Kaylee talk about Not as a shock jock, sure. really. Just like kind of explain it how it is in more of like a story sense and not just, I think she washes it a little more general. I'm like, well, it's not general because not everyone's doing that. It's a lot of stereotypes. I haven't heard anything that she's done recently, but... Mm. <laughs> Didn't get better. Would not <laughs> do that. Yeah, her. It was actually funny because her last special came out, and all like now that I do stand up, like anyone who watches of something, course, they're like, absolutely. "Oh my gosh, have you seen?" It? I was like, "Yeah, it's garbage." <laughs> they're like, "I thought it was really funny." I was like, "Well, well, <laughs> you don't do what we do." I was like, "Well, it's not." <laughs> it's it was better than her leather special, but literally that could have been anything because the last two hours hot garbage hot garbage that's the goss from kaylee dumas yeah please i'm just planning your new weekly segment on the show (laughs) you just send us your hot gossip and i still still would uh be in a show with her just (laughs) throw that out there i like work as much as the next fella or lady exactly (laughs) but yeah i there is zero plan with that and then by the time yeah just took just over. happened. Just happened. I wish it was a more fun story, but that was it. Do you? So you don't remember when it started? Do you remember when it became a weekly thing? When you you realized that the people from your class weren't sticking around? The people like it didn't matter if you didn't know anybody at the mic. You still wanted to go. I always like. I I am so jealous of the pit guys and so jealous that we got next because even then they're like, well, you and Peter. I was like, well, me and Peter still weren't like friends at the time. So I was still going alone and like maybe me and Peter would like see each other once in a while. So it still was clearly me and Peter like wanted to go out and like do that. And then I think after the class, I want to say when I came back after like Christmas was like that was it. I like hit the ground running because I think I really wanted to like be paid for comedy at the time. I was like, that's all I want. 2017. Yeah. Or 2018. Was, yeah. 2018. I was like, I just really want to like got, get paid. And I think I made it like a month in and like got $20. It's like, hey. this is it. I can retire. Perfect. <laughs> Hit that comedy goal. We're done. But yeah, I think that was when I was just like, well, I'm doing this okay. every single night and haven't quite let up. It is nice to know that like I can pick and choose now. Cause for like, you know, that first year you can't, right. You, you have to be out be at every single one as much as possible. What do you do now differently as far as like going up with a goal or like, how do you write? Has it changed since like you were going out on the daily basis year one? I wish I still had that a lot so much. Like I listen to Phil talking. I'm like, Lord, like if I still had that, like he does, I would be insane. Yeah. Because, um, 
when I first started, I didn't have my day job. So I was waitressing. So I had a ton of free time. And I was trying to write every day. But like, that's so freaking hard. Even if you have the time, you're like, I'm going to do it. And you're like. Are there any daily habits that you've been able to kind of like keep as tent poles to how you operate? Or the things that you can do all the time? All the time. I try and still block out Tuesdays. I try and still block out stuff. But what's happened now, which is I'm trying to find a balance with it and it's Aren't we all? very hard it's like now i kind of have a social life because i've made friends in the scene and like sure enjoy hanging out with people and like my weekends are actually like full with people i can hang out with shows which is with shows yeah shows really you know <laughs> threw off like having how dare we work and, on the nights yeah and i don't write as much as when i you know wasn't being booked and didn't have friends yeah. so like i am trying to balance that in my head where it's like I can be upset and angry at myself, but I finally like have people right? and like a community that I want to hang out with and spend time with. And I'm not sitting in the corner of the bar, like writing and not talking to anyone. So it, it's nothing daily, but it's also outside of comedy. I have a very, uh, little bit of a hectic schedule. So it's just kind of trying to keep afloat most of the time. Just trying to stay above water. Try not to really, uh, eat shit basically and still come up with like at least a new bit every month is my usually my goal is like I'm working on something new how do you month. keep organized like compared to what like the set that you would do if you had a 10 or a 15 now this weekend and you wanted to like work a new five in or like work one new joke in like do you kind of plug and play with the order all the time or is it like let me think how I can fit one joke into like this chunk it's is constantly evolving which is terrifying and also so nice from when i started like when i started it was like that was it like if i went to a show those are my 10 minutes i would furiously like like you said this is my script and be, this is what i'm yeah, acting be doing it. i'd be like practicing it like that's something i have to get back into too because i'm comfortable and like maybe a little too comfortable at this point but yeah. um now it is nice like where i used to be like fat like beyond fascinated by people who would show up to a show and be like all right so i want I, now i need to know what i'm doing I was like, how do you not know? I was like, I don't understand that. I was like, how have you not planned this for like a week? And now like if it's a bar show or if I go somewhere and it's like you get five minutes, I'm like, well, we'll decide what I want to do tonight, like what I've been working on. And like that is very freeing and is so nice. Yeah, and sure. it makes me feel like I maybe not should be doing this, but like something like I'm doing something right where like I feel comfortable enough and I can, you know, do that and – it's, I'm not going to bomb, like probably, hopefully yeah, it, <laughs> at this point. Like, it'll go well enough. Well enough. You're not going like, to disappoint if, everybody. If I want to work on something. Um, but that is also a problem I have too, is like I keep writing new shit and then forgetting that I have like 10 minutes somewhere that I've just forgotten. So. Yeah. Do you keep organized like by listening back to old sets that you've recorded? Do you have old notebooks that you look through? I have a crap ton of notebooks. Yeah. That once in a while, like, I will bring up. It's just, it's the free time, and, like, I'm not doing myself any favor favors by, like, now having this mic and, like, oh, severely yeah, yeah. cutting it back. But um, back in the day, it was a lot of, like, always listening to every single set that I would do, and then I would write it out and, like, figure it out and all that. And now it's just recording it to have it yeah. is usually what it is. And, like, I'll listen to it on my ride to work sometimes and... Someday before I die, I'll listen to them all. Some yeah, someday. <laughs> and that joke could have been better. Oh gosh, that's the thing is knowing and writing, and it's most. That's why I have to hit so many mics. Is I don't 
have the I mean I say that I don't have the time but like if I get home at 11 30 I was like you know what I don't want to do <laughs> right right now oh yeah keep editing yeah so it's a lot of editing on stage and seeing what works and I can only add like maybe a joke of a week one tag <laughs> like, here one tag one there tag sure. it can't be as consistent as it used to be but I mean it's not a not a bad thing. life no <laughs> and with the host set you can get away especially because you'll know the staff You'll get bored if you just do the hits up there every week. Obviously, you got to start the room and get it going. Yeah. But to get one new joke in there, two new jokes in there on a weekly basis to people that are consistent, if not the same each week, might be something. Yeah. I mean, that'll be a lot a lot more control that I'll have that I can attack my <laughs> bartender with. Um, but yeah, I mean, listening to Phil, like, oh my gosh, like hits me back to like when I first, first started where I was like, the most yeah how much did you two overlap before he left for new york a while i would say like eight months oh, okay maybe? so nearly a year so almost yeah. I, a I don't regular phil phil mike contact yeah you I'm, two go way back i way back yeah no because he was um fascinating to me because he was so young and I was sure like, if i freaking knew what i wanted to do that young it probably would have been very different I just feel like someone that young knows what they want. It's just unstoppable because you can do whatever you want. Get after it early, yeah. Yeah. I just had this conversation with Joey, actually, where he was like, I mean. Joey Marchi. Uh, Welsh. Welsh. Yeah. Where he was like, you and I don't know who else we're talking about. He's like, you're in your 20s. Like, you can leave. You can do whatever you want. So it's a little different. Well, and especially you who Pittsburgh's not home. Yeah. You don't have to stay here. You have no ties to here long term. Like, what are your expectations? I mean, it's a good place to start comedy. I think I'm in the same boat you are. Mm-hmm. But this isn't your forever city. No. I, I mean, I think I talked to the We Got Next guys about that. Like, is that did that stall this? I'm like, yeah, because I wasn't going to stay here. Sure. I probably would have been here for three years. And then I kind of looked around and kind of figured out everything. And I was like, I'll probably skid out after like five years in the scene. and Because you can always only do so much. And, right. You know, there's only so many rooms and so many places get paid and then pick which place east or west and yeah do you have a preference on the two at this point or it's still too early to call heads or tails when i first moved here i was like i'm gonna go to la or i'm gonna go like an in-between city but i'm from the east coast yeah i i was even thinking about philly for a hot second but i mean i just witnessed it with like other people like trying to move and try and do an in-between city it's like if you're going to end up somewhere might as well go to, just the, big, go to the big two or big three yeah just kind of end up there and i have friends and family in new york and all that stuff and it's kind of a good goal to have at the end of all of it sure or at least the end of five years here which i say that now but who knows who just to say what your voice styles into or what area the country wants to hear from you exactly so i mean it could be anything but i mean i definitely wasn't going to stay here as long as i now had you not had i not fell in love dating. with dating comedy basically yeah, yeah this is my boyfriend where it's I was a like, relationship well, for sure it's like this is where i would say I would never move for a dude but i was like guess i'm gonna i'll stay here <laughs> hunker for, down in pittsburgh for, for my comedy because i don't can't i can't start over no i mean right now in the same size city it doesn't make sense to I don't mean you're just setting yourself back six months a year. And if there's no reason to move to another city, then why? No. Um, especially if your whole base is close enough to New York that there's no other city that you would want to call home base. Yeah. I mean, I thought about it for a while, but I was like, 
it's already a bitch and a half to get home and yeah. all that stuff. And my mom complains all the time. And I'm like, well, it's still out here for a while. So I'm gonna have to get used to it. But that would make no sense to, at least in this moment, to put that added layer of all that. Have, has your family split out to any other areas of the country where you would look at all? No. Nope. Everybody's still Connecticut area? They're all Connecticut, Massachusetts. I have one cousin who's in New York. Okay. Um, and then I have a lot of college friends, more or less, that sure. like Ended up there. are in New York or in Philly. And it's a lot easier to get. Two hours than it is to, five, six. Yeah, it's a lot easier to get a bus out to Philly than it is from here to Philly. I mean, sure. I drive all the time, but it's a lot more friends, home base, all that stuff out there. So eventually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you mentioned the Phil episode, so I know you've heard the show before. We do a segment each week, Always Improving, brought to us by the Greenbrier Treatment Center. And they offer many options to pay for drug and alcohol rehab, either with or without insurance here in Western PA. You can reach them at 1-800-637-HOPE or greenbriar.net. The question we ask each week is, what's the one thing you think we can do to make the human experience better on planet Earth for everybody? For everybody. Hmm. Murder the dogs. Get uh, rid of more dogs. All of the dogs in New York can all come live with me. All pets should be outdoor pets. All of them should have Run <laughs> free lawn. in Connecticut. They do. They need to come back with me. Um, the Danbury dogs. No, I think we have the yard goats in Hartford right now. Thank you very much. They were the Danbury Westerners, the team that I worked oh, for. Jeez. Or a Woodbat Summer League. Oh, yeah. We Right before I left, we had the yard goats, and I was like, can this state be any more embarrassing right now? Oh, it can't. Um, I think, I mean, this is something I've recently done, so I don't know if this works for everyone. We're all ears. But I think what could help you was being a lot more honest. Sure. Like, maybe not so much, like, blunt, per se, because I've definitely, I've definitely done that, and that absolutely doesn't work how you think it's going to it just comes across mean but just kind of being honest with what you want or what you don't want um i think it clears up a lot in at least relationships or friendships and just being like this is what i'm capable of or not capable of and it just makes it so much easier for everyone because if they don't want that or they don't want to be friends or whatever you're doing they are more than welcome to walk away right as long as we're all being transparent about what our expectations are yeah talk about what you're feeling if we're both talking about it then it's a lot easier and no one's feelings are hurt or like upset Uh, no i think honesty no matter what even when it's hard it's important to be truthful with romantic partners friend partners whatever yeah is to always speak your truth my friends probably want to kill me once in a while, but I've said it multiple times where I'm like, stand-up's going to trump everyone. I was like, there's a reason I don't like date people. There's a reason like I don't do all that. So I was like, it's going to trump everything, and that's not fair to certain humans. No, of course. So, like we talked about, you're dating comedy when you start. Yeah, so and, it's, uh, and that's not going to change. And so my friends know that, my family knows that, my like every job like I've I take off on my weekends constantly, and they're yeah. very kind about it they're very sweet about it um like friends have had they've been sad that they don't get to see me which i understand but they're also totally about that my parents know wherever i move or wherever i go so they know if you're moving back to new york it's comedy related at this point i was like i mean they know i don't make it home i was like i told them 
this time last year, I was like, I'm not coming home for Thanksgiving. I missed two shows that I could have been on, <laughs> like, because I don't live here. Priority. So sure. it's hard. And I opted out of, like, flying this year because I was like, if I can make a show the night before, yeah. I'm going to do that and drive the next day. And so, I mean, it stinks, yeah. but I was like, that's going to trump. Well, you did that home yeah. the home show this past year with Norlex for Thanksgiving, didn't you? Yeah, the, and it panned out. <laughs> you could it, get work back home. Yeah, I mean, that was the first time and... Very weird. <laughs> sure, I bet. To do it with your family in the audience? Yeah, you got, I mean, that is the one advantage that everyone here has in like Pittsburgh being that like close knit thing where people tend to stay here and right. live here is that there is that built in network and you're used to performing in front of people who know you. Right, you never had that. Brit- I, Brittany wasn't coming to shows? She she came and she would enjoy it, but it gets to that point where I think all comics have that where they're like, all right, well, you're doing this every week. And we're like, yeah, isn't yeah. it cool? They're like, we can't come every week. Right, we have other stuff we do. It's like, we have a life, but... Oh, okay. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> and then they said I can't do this show if I don't have four friends. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> Will you be my friends? And they're like, well, when are you performing next? I'm like, I what? <laughs> I was like, I tell you. I'll let you know. Oh yeah, I'll release one of those fun things once every like, three months. <laughs> um, no, it was cool. Like my, both my parents had seen me when they came out here. Okay. I'd bring them to a mic or something sure. just because I want to, them to get acclimated. Because by the time I was like, oh, I want to do this, like forever i was like you guys need to know what you're getting into like buckle up uh do you consciously think about it and get more nervous when they're like in the audience or like change what you would talk about no i i mean you're not pushing parent buttons or no. you you have a good enough relationship that it doesn't uh, yeah matter. both my parents are very super aware of like who i am and you know what i talk about and we're very open so it's nothing's crazy sure and, like they don't like i talk about some inappropriate stuff but they've always known who you are. Who I am. Like, I was like, it's That's never good. super changed. It's never been, like, off course. Uh, my extended family, a little different. Sure, yeah. <laughs> they all showed up, and it was very nice. And I have that, like, one vibrator joke. And at the time that I was doing it, I didn't have another closer. I was like, that's the closer I had. That's what I do at the end of my show. I was show. like, this is the end joke. And it's the best one I have, and it kills. So I was like, It better oh. work today. <laughs> I was like, you guys are going to be here for it. Uh, which was fine. Like they were, you know, okay with it, but it was definitely like an added layer of like, Hey mom's family. <laughs> cool. Thanks this, Aunt Kathy. This is fun. Like I didn't think that that much of my extended family was going to come. Sure. Like I really did. I was like, my parents are going to come and like maybe a cousin, but like, like 10 people. Everybody and I was like, hi out. guys. Cool. And, but it really did work. Cause like I was on a show with Norlex. So they're like, Oh, she's legit. I'm like, yeah. Oh, don't come to Pittsburgh. Then. <laughs> uh, this is the highest you're going to see me <laughs> at this point. But that was really cool. Cause it did give like some validity that I was like, you're on a real show. I was on a real a show. Real comic like, from someone New York is and... going to, hopefully he's going to, Oh, shout out to the homie Norlex. Shout, yeah, shout out to Norlex. He's going to, Hosting for uh, or opening for Gary Goldman yeah. here coming up again. Insane. He's like, the king, man. He's so good. Yeah, he was just in town this past weekend, and he was just yeah. He did drinking partners yeah. up in. Uh, I, me and Amanda went out and like see him, and he's just the most down to earth dude. Yeah, like, I've always gotten so, well with him. So nice. Like I can't even like I'm not a, even that kind of person where I'm like that personal and like sweet to everyone. It's just not who I am. He just is so nice. He was like. He had already decided he was moving back to New York when I met him. And so, like, I was newer on the scene, but he at least knew who I was and I had set up the mic. So, like, took the opportunity to, like, mentor me and, like, really, like, invest in me his last, like, six, nine months in town. So, yeah. I'll always have, like, a very sweet spot for that man. 
I've like literally never talked to a single person who's like he hasn't he's like giving me advice or he's done this. I'm like, how is like how is someone like he's that? He's so well written. He's so tight. Um, a year ago, May, I was out in um, John Dick Winter's hometown. What's it called? Altoona, PA. Altoona. And he, Norlex was doing Joe Esch's like upstairs comedy club at Penn State. Okay. So he was closing that show out and I got to hop on and do like a guest 10 or 15 up top, uh, which was great and get to just hang out with Norlex in the middle of Pennsylvania for an afternoon. Love it. Yeah. No, that was, uh, that show happened cause I asked him for a contact. Nice. There you go. He's like, well, I also, have, I have a show. Do you just want to be on it? And I was like, <laughs> I guess I'm like, yeah, thanks. I'll drive back early if you need me. I was like, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I, I think everyone in the scene more or less is like that. I haven't heard. Yeah. I mean, I'm very lucky. It is weird. There's you get all the hot goss. That's why we have your hot goss with Dumas, hot the goss, big segment yeah. each week. It is. I mean, it is weird though, because it is. I'm sure that's how everyone is. But I feel like I came in when there was a big um, influx that like left a sure. little bit, and then it's kind of happening again a little bit. Like Phil started to leave, Ray and Colin are gonna leave, and it's like Stapula is on his way to yep. California, and so it's like I kind of got used to it, and then. Phil left and then like now another Isaac Crow. Yeah. Isaac. I was like, wait, like all you guys, I was like, I just got used to everyone. I was like, this is weird. Yeah. So, I mean, good for everyone who like wants to move and all that, but well, you'll be them one day. Like you said, yeah. And likely New York, the greatest city of them all. I do love New York. City. So nice. They named it twice. Oh my gosh. You're like ready to be like an Start uncle. Start spreading the news. You are an uncle, right? No. No. The oldest of three. None of my siblings have kiddos. My cousin Laura is two weeks younger than me, and she and I have always been close. Okay. So her daughters are going on eight and four, maybe nine and five at this point because I'm a million. Um, but they call me like Unky G. Okay. So you have somewhere to channel whatever that was. Whatever this energy yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I very do it on hard, stage every night. Very hard Boom. uncle vibes. There it is. Hard uncle vibes. Yeah. That's my uh, stand-up persona. <laughs> it's your brand. It's my new bio. Hard uncle vibes. <laughs> I'm like an uncle, but I curse. Well, this was always improving. Honesty, that's what we picked. Most important thing we can do to help the human race. Just be honest with people. Treat them well. And always improving is brought to us by the Greenbrier Treatment Center. Greenbriar.net, 1-800-637-HOPE-RESTORING-HOPE-RECOVERING-LIVES. Greenbriar Treatment Center here on Garrett Teitelbaum. It's nice to see he's working. Believe it or not, it is our three-year anniversary. We launched on May the 3rd, 2017, 18, 19. Wow. Yes. Oh, wow. A million years ago on a little podcast, Art All Night we taped the first episode, and they just did that. Were you a part of Art All yeah. Night? What uh, what ungodly hour did you go on stage? I got 8. 8 p.m. I was lucky. Wow. Yeah. Still, they had a uh, the crowd flipped <laughs> right out. Like, a man went up, killed with... Uh, they had, like, a young people, and then they flipped to, like, older uh, people. Amanda killed. I went up, and they're like, mm, we don't like this. And I'm like... <laughs> Okay, so we don't like millennial jokes. That's fine. I got, I got other stuff. I was like, we don't talk about my dad. They're like, no. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Sorry. He didn't mean it. It's fine. Yeah, it was one of those things where I was like, I don't think the crowd liked me. I mean, it's like, they're great. I'm like, cool. <laughs> I was like, okay. 
blind confidence, you know? Yeah. No matter what. It went great. Yeah. Belief above all else. Super. Went awesome. It works sometimes if you're just overly confident. <laughs> yeah. How were they? They were great. They were super. They're a really good audience. <laughs> it's nobody's fault but your own when you can't figure it out up there. Yeah. No, that is very true. I mean, it is comforting to eventually like find that weird thing where you're like, oh no, the crowd like true. Like if I took me a long time because I was very much in that mindset, obviously when you start where you're like, you have to do everything in your power and you still do. But it's like, it comforted me eventually where like someone who's like seasoned where like Seneca would get off and he's like, yeah, this isn't good. Just good luck. Yeah. It's like, but like, you're really good. He's like, they do not want to be here. Doesn't want to matter. Like don't want it. And I'm, it took me a while to like understand what kind of crowd that was, but like you figured out real, yeah. <laughs> real quick, <laughs> but not having it. No. And, and some nights it is what it is. It's a gorilla show. They didn't know what was happening. Has the bar at least warned them of what's to come on Thursday night at the yard? Do you think the average yard customer is going to be prepared for the cheesiest open mic in Pittsburgh? I do. I am getting there early to set everything up, and I have to tell the host to not send families upstairs. Oh, sure. Like, that's my only thing. I was like, if they have anyone. No children. No children. Can't have it. Absolutely not. Well, that was my goal, is like to be able to separate a little bit that they don't have to worry. Sure. Because it is technically a restaurant, but like where we are is a bar. Yeah. Slash restaurant. Um, but I mean, most of the reason I did it is to get them traffic upstairs because people don't realize it's the same place. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how much it's not going to be comics hanging out with each other. And You'll have that. that. But I mean, we've had mics like that. So as long as you're having a good time, the audience will have a good time. This is a audio podcast, but I love your mean mugs towards the camera. <laughs> you got to cut once it's in a like- while. Just smiling. Yeah, that is hard on podcasts where it's mostly just my face. Just no us chit-chatting. It. Like, it's the worst when it's multiple guests and they'll be sitting next to each other and they'll keep trying to talk to each other and they end up off mic yep. and they get away from each other. So I always have to warn pairs and duos when they come on. Yeah, I think I heard your you had all-woman podcast one time. I love that one. Yeah, we did uh, the ladies' uh, women in comedy panel a year ago March, oh or the last week of March. For Women's uh, History Month. Yeah. Gab Vanessa. No. Um, Osha Dwyer. Um, who else? We had Ashley McKinney, Courtney Francis, and um, from Buffalo, she's now in New York City, Kelsey Claire Hagan. Okay, so yeah. Before them. Yeah. I've not met any of those people except for Osha. <laughs> I believe. Oh. Yeah. The other two are improvisers. Ashley works at Hambones as a bartender, so you may know oh, her. Oh, yeah. But she probably, does improv yeah. as well. Yeah. No, that's hard. Like, I just uh, got booked for an arcade show like two weeks or something by another woman stand up. I was like, well, how have we never. Where did you come from? I was like, where did you come from? And, like, that's. I think that for me is like the thing that makes. Not like makes me sad, but I just like want to put everyone in a bubble and like hug them because there's not a lot of us. And so I'm like, when I first started, I was like, anyone. Yeah. I was like so excited. I think Amanda was the first like woman who was like, hello. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's more of me. Thank you for being my friend. I was like, thank you. Yeah. Now, I mean, now like we all eventually stick together and like eventually find each other because it's impossible not to. Well, and you meet at Mike's because that's where the socializing is going on. And unfortunately, when people are booking shows and there's only one woman or rarely more than one woman, you can't. It's tough to yeah other. mingle and, and kind of make each other allies and just be friends. 
Yeah, well, that, that are coworkers doing the same job. That is the hard part too. Where I mean, at least for me, I feel like I'm so on a different level, like below everyone. Where I don't feel like I'm so much as competing as very lucky if I'm getting yeah. booked on a show. Um, but I can definitely imagine the higher levels where people are just very competitive. Like I am in my own right, but like I have no reason to be. <laughs> well, and it's not a race with anybody else. I think for a lot of people, they forget that where they look at like, oh, why did so-and-so get this? Instead of just being like, what am I doing that I could be getting more stuff? I think to a degree that's true. is like you should be doing everything in your power to be killing it and everything. But I, I will say for women, it is a little difficult because you unintentionally are being pitted against each other because there is only one spot on shows for you. Yeah. I think no, I've been on I wouldn't argue that. two shows maybe, or I mean, definitely under 10 since I started where there's been more than one of me and it's hard. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously we're all doing what we can and everything and it's not that anyone's funnier or not, but like if you're, if you're the one, the one way it's not getting booked, it's pretty, pretty clear. And then you don't, I don't, hate any other woman I don't think any of us have any animosity towards each other but it's just it's built a very particular way where like dudes aren't particularly competing against each other you think there's more of an impetus on there being a hierarchy amongst the female comics I think it's I think there is yeah sure <laughs> like no matter what how you slice it I don't think I don't I think we're all very lucky that we are for the most part like close and interacting with each other and it's not like New York or something. Cause I can't, I cannot fathom if it was any, a higher stakes place. Oh, sure. Like I, I really can't because I love all of the female comedians. I think we all love each other and I think none of us feel like it's a legitimate competition, but I also think it's born of it. Like that it's just how it is and yeah. it stinks. Like that's where it is. It's like, it's upsetting where it's like you are sometimes just mad that someone else is booked just because there's just one spot. Well, that's the nature of it. Yeah. There's yeah. only so many shows. And if the go- the cap is one woman per show, even yeah. on a weekend, if there's four shows, that's still only four spots, five, six tops. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. It's like, I don't think about it too much. If I talk about it, then I get mad. Start to like, pinpoint on it. Yeah. Sure. Start to like get annoyed by it. But like, I don't dwell on it because you can't, because you can't. We're not going to magically overthrow no, but you take, patriarchy and like however long we're in it. So you take opportunities and you look at yourself and you say, even if you have to kind of mentally shift how you frame it, you're not new to it anymore. You can start to be somebody who realizes they belong at the table. You're like, well, I've done it for nearly two years. I'm coming up on my anniversary. I'm starting my own room. Yeah. You know, I'm doing the things that necessitate having X amount of respect or time yeah. for people. And not that there's a lot of power in running a list, but you realize very quickly people that come out of the woodwork who never spoke to you or never gave you the time of day yeah. when you were just another comic. Now you have something that, that people they want. look at yeah. as a premium. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that is valid. And I think, you know, taking control, that is very helpful yeah. and like being able to like run a mic and like be like if, if I you know can't do it for you know a week or something like my first thing is going to ask a woman to run it sure because there's a way like I've been on shows where people like you know in your class or something if they're running a show and they're like I only have one or 
you know, two women. I was like, well, there's more of us. I was like, put more of us on. Yeah. Like that is the one thing that I'm trying to do the longer that I'm in is like, if I have any sort of power or any sort of say, like I'm going to say it because it's, I mean, it's not fair. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and it's no one's fault. And that's how it's built. And it's um, no one's responsibility. But I mean, that that is the shitty part is it is kind of a responsibility. Like Paige just did her first, you know, producing. Yeah. And she's like, it's a woman produced thing. And like the fact that we have to say that and like I'm marketing is like, this is a woman run mic. Like it shouldn't be like that. But that also is our responsibility to say that. Right. Because if we don't, then people aren't going to take into consideration that this is like. Still an anomaly. Still something that needs to be talked about and looked at. And I think our scene does a good job, but could always be better. Could always be better, and that's what I'm trying to do. Is like if I do eventually produce shows, that's not how it's going to be. No, sure. And you want to find that balance. Um, I remember the first time I got asked to like close anything out, um, and it's only happened a couple of times. But I got some pushback because there wasn't a woman on the show from a couple people that like I was just excited that I had earned this thing and like I'd yeah. done it for a while, and they were like, "It's." I was like, first of all, it's not my show." I was like, mm-hmm. I still did something. I like doing comedy. These people asked me to close their show. That's pretty cool. That hasn't happened. I'll get to do a half hour. If you don't yeah. come, that's fine. You don't have to badmouth us on your Facebook page. It's like, but do you? Yeah, no, I like, well, yeah. Uh, something briefly like that happened where uh, another comic dragged like a poster or something. It was like, there's no woman on it, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, well, you have to keep in mind the people that are putting on the show. If these are right. delightful, lovely human beings who, if you've spent 25 seconds talking to them, they're not doing this on purpose. Right. What the, is there malice behind that? I was like, decisions? there's no malice behind it. Perhaps all of, you know, the women are booked that night or maybe they needed spots for all these people. Like there's so many different reasons. And right. the same with you. Like if someone was like, Hey, you want to do 20 minutes? I'm not going to turn around and be like, yeah, can I bring another woman with me? Like, you're not in that position, right? You're not running the show. You're lucky to be there. So you have to kind of pick and choose. If I have the ear of someone who's running a show and they ask me, I'm like, yeah, here are the names of people I would talk to. Here are the people that you should be asking. And also don't do the thing that a lot of people do. Cause a friend asked me and they're like, well, I want to spread it out. And I was like, if you say that sentence to me again, I was like, I will throw something at you. I was like, because that's what happens. Right. I was like, you spread us out. And then all of a sudden, you know, we have one or two shows a month because you got to spread us out over however long right. you're doing shows. I was like, and that's not fair to anyone. No. I was like, stack it. You'll have a different audience. doesn't matter. You'll be fine. <laughs> It'll be fine. Plan your shows, market them. If the listeners want to find your mic, find you on social media, what's the best way to see where you're posting? Uh, my Facebook. Just, okay. just my name. Just search Kaylee your name. Yeah. Kaylee Dumas. It'll be spelled in the episode title. Yeah, definitely have to spell it for the people. It's a rough name. Yeah, ever thought about changing it for comedy? Uh, I was always really excited to like get married and get rid of my last name. Yeah. And then I started doing comedy and realized... Uh, You're kind of locked in now. Kind of done with that, so... Can't get rid of it, unfortunately. Just be moderately successful so you can still switch it. Yeah. When you need to get SAG official. Wait, yeah. Well, I did look that up recently because someone asked, and I was like, "If you were SAG." Yeah, and I'm fine. I can do my name. Oh, there's nobody else in. There's no one else, so I'd have. So I still could do it. Okay. 
Hopefully by the time that happens, maybe someone took it. It's a good goal. You talked about your goal last year being to get paid in comedy. Do you have any goals now that we're, May, tomorrow is May, 2019? Um, I would want to produce a show at least before year's end somehow. Okay. Like, like a, a showcase. Like a showcase. Yeah. Not like anything super crazy, but definitely like a showcase probably. At the write yard. a musical. Right. Write a whole musical. Uh, yeah, definitely do that. Um, and not like this next couple months, but like next year I want to start doing sketch a little bit. Cause okay. I love acting, but that's nice. very hard to balance a lot. It's <laughs> true. I'm already balancing a little too much. So I'm going to, Hopefully by then I'll be like two issues, a little over two years. I can start to feel like it's time to to do diversify your comedy. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Not lose my mind a little bit, but nothing like I never want to overshoot. Never want to do anything too fast. Sure. I'm a little more work at a comfortable pace. Yeah, I don't want to step on any toes. Don't want to overshoot what I can do. Shoot for the moon. (laughs) Anything you wanted to get into that we didn't talk about? We can keep going if there's. Topics you wanted to spread your opinion on. No, I think I was a little pushy about You think you were too pushy? Putting no. women on shows, but. I don't think so. I think you just did the We Got Next draft. You guys screwed up. You did Disney movies. Nobody took um, Remember the Titans, which is a great Disney movie. Yeah, but like when you think, of, I think what we did, we messed up where we were thinking like childhood Disney. I think for some reason. Fox and the Hound, you screwed up. It's a great film about friends who are different than each other. So sad. <laughs> it is sad. Toy Story 3, also sad. We did talk about Toy Story. My friend actually, like my friends are so delightful. Like I will say that is the good thing about not getting into comedy like earlier yeah. and all that and getting to go do college and like my sorority and all that is like being away from everyone's like so bizarrely supportive That's to the good. extent that I'm like, Oh, this is crazy. Cause I don't know if I would be willing <laughs> to listen to like a podcast or like go to shows and stuff. And so all my friends from out of state will always listen to podcasts. And like my one friend was like, that was a garbage draft and no one picked like the top <laughs> things. And I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> like my bad. Like commented on it, and it was it was very cool. So it's nice, nice, nice to have. know people are tuned in for you. Yeah, it is nice that I do have that support, and you know. I what are the like? Are there official jobs in a sorority? Are there like yeah. positions? Mm-hmm. Did I you was, have a position? Yeah, I was a new member educator, which, and not in the professional context, is a pledge mom. Sure. So I have uh, a pledge class out there in the world that I like raised. Which and do you keep tabs on them? Are you always tied I'm into the Facebook network? Always tied into what they're doing. Always tied into my pledge class like that we were like raised in. So it was just my pledge sister's uh, wedding last year. So nice. it's, it is nice. It's nice to have that like community thing. If you believe in Zodiacs and all that, cancers are very like, they need a, a community. community. <laughs> what are the Virgos up to? I don't, I don't know. You don't learn about any I other don't signs? I care. And I think Kansas are also a little uh, self-involved. Right. Well, we're learning. Yeah. So that's a <laughs> thing. And I found comedy. And that's a... Your new sorority. That's what I was going to ask. Is. You guys are my new sorority. Who what, Who would do the each job the best in the sorority house? That's how we'll wrap up. Who uh, in our Pittsburgh comedy scene would have each role in your... Derek would be the president. President of the sorority. Sure. Obviously. Burning Bridges Comedy Club every Monday, Thursday. Saturday, Sunday. I think Derek would, or not Derek, uh, John would be pledge master. 
So you have to have a certain uh, mystique about you. Pledge Master John. Yeah, you have to. You can't put up with any bullshit. You have to be a little harsh. I think he'd be fine with that. He'd be that. fine, yeah. He'd be fine with that. I like it. Um, I think Amanda would be secretary. Secretary of the uh, sorority. Of the sorority, of everything, of making sure nothing's going off the rails. Uh, hmm, VP. Maybe. Who's our sorority vice our president? Vice president of comedy. Hmm. Can't be John because he's already been given a job. Amazing people somewhere. Shannon. I think Shannon would be VP. Not quite dealing with all the open mic madness of Thursdays, but definitely in there. He was a symbolic uh, nomination. You yeah. needed to pick up Braddock. You needed to get a few of the uh, you know Regent Square there. boroughs. Get Wilkinsburg. Get Swissvale under your belt. And I think the last one is like event planner. Who would plan shit? I think that might be Shannon a little bit too. You want to give that to Shannon also? That's a lot of responsibility. No, he can just get he can just get VP. Okay. And then, no, I, I'll give Ian VP because Ian hangs out. He's there. Okay. You just he's Macintosh. Macintosh. I'll he's give him there. VP he's and I'll give VP. Shannon event as he's put together <laughs> the pirates thing. Yes. In a very efficient way. I think. I think that's pretty. It's going to be a fun game. It's going to be a fun sorority house. I don't do sports. Pittsburgh comedy house. I don't look nice. You don't look nice enough to play sports or while playing sports? No, don't. no one looks good. It would be good on that. No one looks good playing sports except for that uh, Joel Embiid. That's Philadelphia. Oh, thank you. I was like, I You're welcome. Bit... Rocky, he's a handsome fella when he's boxing. Oh, that's true. Yeah, this will be my third baseball game in two years. Nice. I've managed to avoid most sporting <laughs> events while living here. Okay. So we'll see. Not a sports fan of any kind? No, I played played a lot. Love right. playing. Love being competitive. Didn't find a team that you wanted to dedicate your life to. UConn's women's basketball. That's sure, the Huskies. It. Yep, Huskies. That's all I got. <laughs> Can't be mad about that. They win, so not this year, but whatever. <laughs> the eye roll was just ugh. Mm. Do you like the years that they win? Have they been better years for you? Is that the sort of stuff cancers think about? No, I just I think they're the best out there. Sure. And Gino's the best coach out there. I mean, Tennessee's got some. They got Vivian Stringer, um, but no, she, Vivian Stringer was Louisville, I think. But yeah, they're the best of the best, and they're so good that people get pissed. They think they're ruining the game, which I'm like, there you go. So that's how good you are. I'll follow that. That's that's that New England attitude. Yeah. That's that Patriots dynasty sort of talk. I don't, I don't like the Patriots for the same same shit. If you get that good, then, of course, you're going to get the top picks, and then you just have to be better. Got to get better. There's no other option, really. Same goes for comedy as, as goes for sports. Just got to get better. I mean, if someone's going to be 10 times better than you, they may always be 10 times better than you, but you can't tell them to dull their shit just because you suck. You got to shine on your own. You got to figure it out. Got to figure it out. May is upon us today. Enjoy your beautiful weather, Pittsburgh. We love you. Three years in the books. What are we at? 157 weeks. Woohoo. Proud of you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I think you're really neat. <laughs> you 
have been listening to Unplanned Comedy Pods, a podcast collective.